Let's turn to John 20 and 25. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, John 20 and 25, and it reads as this. It says, the other disciples therefore said unto him, speaking to Thomas, we have seen the Lord, but he, meaning Thomas, but he said unto them, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. If I could just encourage all of you on this morning, just very simple, your scars will tell your story. Let's define scars real quick. Webster has it like this. One, a mark left by a healed wound, a healed sore, or a healed burn. A blemish remaining as a trace of damage or use. A mark indicating a former point of attachment as where a leaf has fallen from a stem. A lasting after effect of a troubling experience. Scars are the results of some trauma, some trauma that's been sustained to the body. They usually, a lot of times, are looked at as unsightly, ugly, unattractive, and sometimes even repulsive. We spend millions, close to billions of dollars between cosmetic surgery and cosmetics, trying to either remove scars or cover them. Ladies, I'm talking to you. We get the surgeries or we put the makeup on to cover up what has happened, to hide what we suffered, or to, to, to put a facade over something that we don't think is acceptable to the outside world. We hide what we've gone through. We hide what has happened to us. We hide from our past experiences, the scars. We cover them up, we'll hide, we'll have them replace plastic surgery. There's also emotional scars. Scars that come from the loss of a loved one. Many today now may not find it too happy for Mother's Day because they don't have their mother. Let's remember them in prayer. The loss of a broken relationship or marriage. Being fired or losing a job or your source of income. The loss of material possessions can send some people into emotional upheaval. And people spend quite a bit of time trying to cover up for those types of scars as well. Sometimes we'll overcompensate in an area for an area that we're lacking or hurting in. Sometimes Men will buy big cars 
to cover up for their aging experiences. I heard that laugh. Sometimes the emotional scars can be so, or the emotional wounds can be so, so, so prevalent that we'll overcompensate in areas by overanimation. People will be overly animated. Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. Okay, I, all I said was hi to you. Actually, I was asking for directions. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I hope you're blessed enough to help me get to where I'm going, right? And we've seen it, we're laughing, but we've seen it. And if we really tell the truth today, sometimes we've done that. Or conversely, sometimes we'll be reclusive because the emotional wounds are so hard. We, we don't trust when we probably should. We don't reach out when we probably should. We, don't, we won't be vulnerable when we probably should. But because the hurt, the pain, the damage, the attack was so strong and left so much of a wound and we may be scarred, we'll hide it. We won't share it. Scars have been perceived negatively because they show that a struggle took place. In order to get a scar, you had to go through something. In order to be scarred, you had to really be in some type of adversarial relationship with someone or something. They show that you were attacked by something. Many of us have suffered physical, emotional, mental attacks whether it's from another brother or sister, through demonic oppression, not possession, oppression, or through our own doing. A lot of our issues sometimes, and the clinicians can speak on this, a lot of our issues we magnify because of what goes on up here. We will perceive a problem to have a much a bigger magnitude than what it actually manifests itself to be once we get there. But we have suffered so much leading up to it. They show, scars show that something at some point may have had the upper hand on you. But let's turn to the glory now. But the fact that it's a scar means that it's not a wound. It also shows that you made it out. It also shows that you've been healed. I believe it's a trick of the enemy through an act of the flesh for us to try to hide our scars so others won't see what we've been through. But I believe that's exactly what God intended when he raised Jesus from the dead. He raised him with all power in his hands. He raised him with the keys to hell and death and scars on his body. 
We talk about all the power that Jesus got up with, but we tend to miss that one little thing. We don't talk about too much about his scars. He rose with a glorified body. He rose with a transfigured body. He rose with all power in his hands. He rose with power over death, hell, and the grave, but that same body had scars. Revelations 1 and 18 says, I am he that liveth. Revelations 1 and 18. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. We know what we've heard about Jesus, right? And even in the early church, they heard what Jesus was going to do. Jesus said what he was going to do. Jesus said what his father was going to give him after his death. Jesus told us. But it was his scars that validated every claim. And Thomas, Thomas wasn't trying to hear anyone that didn't have scars. The first point, accepting your scars. Let's look at John 20 and 27. John 20 and 27. It says, then saith he to Thomas, this is Jesus now speaking, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and not be faithless but believing Jesus was okay with what he went through Jesus saw his scars as a form of identification it actually tells a story in Luke you have the synoptic story Luke 24, 39-40 it says behold my hands and my feet that it is I myself. Handle me and see. For a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye see me have. And when he had said, when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. Jesus could have told them everything that he said beforehand to prove that he was with them before. Jesus could have recounted every miracle that he did with them. Jesus could have recounted every conversation that he had intimately with them, but he didn't do any of that. Jesus said, look and see. I went through everything you saw me go through. But everything you saw me go through that took me to a grave, here I am now, I'm not bleeding anymore. I'm not bleeding anymore. There's no more red blood cells coming out. There's no more plasma coming out. You see healing in my hands. You see healing in my feet. You see healing in my side because a wound that has run into blood now turns into a scar. So what I'm saying is the blood of Jesus, when it runs over your wounds, becomes a scar. Jesus accepted his struggle. Jesus used his struggle to prove everything that he said, right? Let's keep going. 
He wasn't ashamed of the marks he received from the battle that caused him. He was willing to show them to the disciples. John 20 and 20. It says, and when he had said, when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. We have to be willing to share our scars. We're living in the world, definitely the time period, but this Western world really pushes it to cover up. Hide what you've been through. Cover what you've been through. Deny what you've been through. Lie about what you've been through. I'm not going to give any examples because where my mind is going right now, that ain't too good. But we've seen leaders, we've seen political figures, we've seen friends totally denounce that they were even there. Wasn't me. But I saw you. Wasn't me. But you were standing right. Wasn't me. And we'll cover what we've gone through, whether it's a personal attack, someone did it to us through sin, but we'll hide it even if God brought us out of it. But when we hide what we've been through, we deny God's delivering power. When we hide our tears, we deny God's ability to wipe them. When we hide our hurts, we deny God's ability to console them. When we hide our chains, we deny God's ability to break them. And although we receive the miracle, we cancel out his power for everyone else. One of the reasons why we don't see the miracles like we should be seen. Not that we have to keep asking for miracles, but the Bible says that these signs shall follow them that believe. And when you believe something, you act a certain way. I can prove it to you. Tell a billionaire to put 500 million in your bank account, watch how you act. I guarantee you, put 500 million dollars in your bank account, I guarantee you're going to act differently because you believe that money is in there for you to use whenever you need it. Why do we treat God differently? God says that he's going to deliver your family. Let's walk in deliverance. God says that he's going to heal your body. Let's walk in healing. God says that he's going to make you the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Let's walk in righteousness. But we have to be willing to show the scars to people. This faith is an active faith. It's not like other religions. This religion calls for faith and intimacy. You don't have intimacy with anybody and don't show some signs. You don't have intimacy with anybody and don't act like you intimate with them when they're not around. You my boo on Saturday, but on Monday, I don't know who you are. No, that's called a jump off. See, when you have a real, when you have a real intimate relationship, you don't go see them on Saturday and then on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you don't know who they are. That's your slam piece. 
Why do we treat God like that? We hide who we are. We hide the deliverance that we've seen. We've hide the change in our lives. We hide the fact that we're Holy Ghost filled and fire baptized. We hide the fact that we've been blood washed because when we get out there, we tend to act differently. So when we get out there and act differently, the world does not want to come in and receive what we got because we're acting just like them. We don't let our scars tell the story of salvation. We don't let our scars tell the story of justification. We don't let our scars tell the story of how we've been redeemed. That we can look at our hands and our hands look new. Look down at our feet and they did too. I have a different walk. I have a different talk. Nope. We go right out there and act just like them. And it's not that we're not thankful for what God did. Because we, most of us, we are thankful. But we're still afraid of what comes with bearing your scars. We have to be willing to show them. People need to see them. If you're going to be a witness, you have to take a stand. For all my, Jew, my Jew, Jewish, Jewish prudence, Jewish prudence people, when a witness is called, can they witness from outside? They have to do what? Come and sit and take the stand and give their account of what they know happened. Now, they may get cross-examined, but it's not about the validity of what happened. It's about their validity to be able to tell the story. Jesus said, go and open your mouth. I'll speak for you. Your ability to show your scars is not about your ability to be able to tell the story. You just go and show what God has done for you. You just show up to that wall and tell what God has done for you. You show up to that Red Sea. Don't you try to open it yourself. Just talk about how God made a way for you and watch that thing be open. If you see someone standing in the desert, you don't have to bring water. Just go and tell how God brought rivers into your desert. As a matter of fact, he brought an oasis. He put water in the middle of your dry places. God caused a river open for you. Just go tell that story. Even if someone's in the wilderness, you don't have to bring a shovel to make a path. Just go talk about how Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I'm going to walk for every step of a good man. It's ordered by the Lord. You go and tell your story and show your scars and watch God make the miracle happen. Y'all doing it to me again. <laughs> Revelations 12 and 11 says, and they overcame him. We could preach on this scripture all by itself. <laughs> Pastor West, I messed my, I pulled this out last night and almost changed my message. I'm not going to dive into this, but y'all go and read that scripture and just read the story. Lee, now, I know you know it, but just read it again. Read it again. Revelations 12 and 11, it says, and they overcame him. We can stop right there. What's overcome? <laughs> you didn't just come. You didn't just show up. You weren't just present. You weren't just in attendance here, but you overcame. So when you got there, you stepped over some obstacles. When you got there, you stepped over some pitfalls. When you got there, you stepped over some roadblocks. 
that's an overcomer. But then it says, and they overcame him. Who is this infamous him? It's the enemy of your soul. You can overcome the devil. Now, you don't fight the devil because the Bible says resist him. But it also says before that, draw close to God and resist the devil and he will flee you. You want to cast the devil out of somebody's life and out your life? Start resisting him. Start getting close to God. Start getting close to your Lord and Savior. Start making prayer more of your lifestyle. Don't just read the Bible for information, but read it for relationship. Get to know the one that saved you. Get to know the one that delivered you. Get to know the one that turned your wounds into scars. And they overcame the enemy <laughs> by the blood. There it is again. You don't get a scar until you take your wounds to the blood of Jesus. And let his blood heal you. And then your wounds turn, to, you'll start to see a scab form. And then when the scab forms, you start to get a little crusty. And then once it gets a little crusty, it turns a little different color. And then once it turns a little different color, it starts to peel. Sometimes it itches. But that's because the old pain is going away. <laughs> that's because the old damage is going away. That's because the old, the, 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 the old way of thinking is going away. And then at some point, you either got to pull that thing off or if you keep living, this is going to fall off. And you're going to look up and you'll have a scar to remind you what you went through, but the bleeding will have stopped. The pain will have stopped. The discomfort will have stopped. You may have a mark, but you have a mark of God's healing. You have a mark of God's presence. You have a mark of God's deliverance. Give God a praise. But hold the wait, 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 wait. Y'all stop. Y'all stop. We got to get out of here. It's Mother's Day. It's Mother's Day. It says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. We got the overcoming part. A lot of overcomers sitting in here. Right? We know who we overcame. Satan knows he can't bring you back out of what you went through. Right? So we got it. We have the blood of the Lamb. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're blood washed. You're blood washed. But we fall short because we won't tell somebody about what we went through. You want to see an evangelistic thrust? Tell of God's goodness. We don't need a whole lot of big preaching. You don't need a whole lot of big preaching. Yes, you need the word of God taught, yes. But you don't need to bring traveling evangelists around just to make it happen. Let those of us in here get serious about what God delivered us from. You get real serious one day about what God delivered you from and you won't be able to shut your mouth because every time you see somebody without money, you remember how God gave you something you ain't have. Every time you see somebody going to the ER, you remember how God gave you healing before the doctors operated. Every time you see somebody struggling with their kids, you remember how God cast the devil out of your three and made them walk right. Every time you see somebody going through,
The Holy Ghost will bring it back to your remembrance. That's what he's there for. That's one of his ministries, to bring back to your remembrance how good Jesus has been to you. You want to know if you got the Holy Spirit? You see if you start testifying and telling people of God's goodness, even when it's not popular, right? Because that next line, it says, and they love not their lives unto death. So they weren't worried about what was going on in the earthly realm. They didn't care about what people thought. They didn't care about their jobs. Oh, I might lose this. They might look at me differently. I might not be able to get money from somewhere. Don't you know God is your source for everything? Don't you worry about a resource drying up? Because if this resource dries up, God got seven more rivers. If this door closes, God got a wall he'll break down. When they close this window, God will carve out a whole mountain just for you. Point two, I'm going to have to cut this short. Y'all keep acting up in here. Pastor, if you're watching, it ain't me. Point number two, the authority the authority produced by your scars. John 20 and 28. Uh-huh. Computer acting up, but I'm gonna still preach this thing. It says, and Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and my God. So looking at the authority given that is produced by your scars. Thomas was only going to believe the one who had the right scars in the right place and they proved that he was the Lord. Thomas gets a bad rap. I'm kind of jumping now because we're going to finish this up. I think y'all got this. Thomas got a bad rap in my estimation. I believe Thomas gets a bad rap. Thomas is called Doubting Thomas, right? He's called Doubting Thomas. Now, Thomas didn't do anything different than what the, 12, the others did before the Lord saw him because it says the Lord came into where they were and they thought it was a spirit. And he said, what are you afraid of? Look, my scars. And then they became joyful. Thomas has his mind made up. He's not falling for any counterfeits. You want to be my Lord and Savior? Then there's a certain amount of authority you need to carry. I don't want to hear about, yeah, you may have, you may have walked on some water. I don't want to hear that, yeah, you may have raised a few people from the dead. Thomas wasn't too concerned about anybody who took some fish, a few fish and some, some bread and had the biggest fish fry known to mankind. Thomas didn't care about, yeah, you may have turned some water into wine. What Thomas wanted to know was, did you get beat 39 times, get stabbed, get nails driven in your hands and in your feet, went down and about three days later got up? I want to see those scars. And if you can have that, then you are my Lord and Savior. He, Th Thomas had, Thomas knew, he knew that there was a lot of people running around bumping their gums about how they was like Jesus. He, he knew, he knew that people was out running their mouth talking a whole lot of yin-yang about how they could do what Jesus did. To, in the name of Jesus, I'm casting out. He said, cast out what you want. But until I see some scars in your hands and in your feet, see a thorn crowned brow, see a spear that went into your side, and it can't be bleeding now, it has to be healed. Thomas knew that that's where the authority was. 
Thomas knew that there were going to be a lot of people running their mouths. So he said, if you really Jesus Christ, you should have that sign. You should have that fruit. You should have that evidence. You should have that kind of power. Our scars will position us to speak as authority figures as well. You aren't going through what you're going through for nothing. Get it out your head right now. First of all, you're not the only one going through it, right? We tell ourselves that way too much. Lord, I'm the only one going through this. Get the Elijah complex. I'm the only one who's righteous, and they're out to kill me. God had to tell them, I've got 7,000 over there who will not bow to Baal. You ain't the only one, right? So when we know we're not the only one, then that means there are others who are going through that are being delivered so we can take comfort. Yes, it's going to be hard. Yes, it's going to go against your circumstances. Yes, it's going to go against what you think and feel. But I don't care about that. I know I'm standing on the word of God. And if Jesus can go through all of that, go down in the grave and get up and tell me he has all power, then I'm following him. And if you can go through what you've gone through and you don't look like what you've gone through, people will follow you because you're going to lead them to Jesus. Point number three, the anointing that comes because of your scars. Now, who gets scars? Let's look at that first definition again. A scar is a mark left by a healed wound. <laughs> Woo! A healed wound, a healed sore, a healed burn. A scar only comes from receiving healing for something that's wrong in our lives. It doesn't make a difference to the severity of the wound, the type of the wound, or even how you got the wound. All that matters is that we're honest about the wound or burn or sin. We'll never be healed if we hide from what ails us. The 38th Psalm verse 5 says, my wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. We think we bad. Are we really ready to talk about the foolishness we engage in sometimes? Huh? Not, not, not everybody else say, oh, the world, they just foolish. Bible says correction going to start in the house of God first. Right? But when we get right with God, when we are honest about where we're failing or what's ailing us or what's happening to us, the bombardment we're dealing with, how think we may be overwhelmed. When we get honest about those things, now those wounds can start the process of healing because Jesus does what? He applies the blood. Right? Whenever we turn a deaf ear to our wounds, we ignore the healing that's promised to us. The 103rd Psalm, verses 2 and 3 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. What's the first one? Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. And what's the next part? Who healeth all thy diseases. We all have our wounds or will be wounded at some point in time or in life from people, the world, by our own misdoings. If we turn to the world to help us, that wound's not going to get healed. It's going to get covered up. But 
to all my medical staff, when you cover a wound with the wrong thing, it gets what? Infected. <clears throat> Going to the world to satisfy your needs will only cause an infection in your life. I said what I said, and I'm speaking from experience. Thank God for the spiritual antiseptic, spiritual penicillin, antibiotics, right? Let's be real. When we turn to the world or the world's devices or the world's wisdom on how to heal our spiritual issues, our natural issues, our soulish issues, we get infected. It may look good for a while. It may, it may pass the litmus test for a while. People, oh, oh, look at you. you. Oh, yeah, you look good. Oh, yeah, look, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. But keep living. Keep living. Because the very thing that you applied to change your issue not going to change you. You still going to progress in whatever it is that you were in and not receive the blessing of deliverance. See, deliverance happens like this. God not only takes you out of the problem, but he then takes the problem out of you. I can prove it. I can prove it. When God delivered Israel out of Egypt, the Bible says that he didn't take them through the shortcut that could have gotten them there in about a day and a half, three days. He said he took them round about because he had to prove them. He had to get Egypt out of them first. He had to get them to believe who he was first, to believe that he can supply their need to believe that he can take the, 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 the worship of all types of idol gods out of their, 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 their lives and out of their hearts, right? But when we forego God's deliverance, we may get a cover-up. We may get a good patch job, right? But the problem is still there, right? The problem is there. And then we want, you have people, and sometimes we've done it, we think that we've achieved progression from what we've been through, and then we start speaking on these worldly things, sharing them with people, and you start seeing lives being messed up, right? And what wor what's worse sometimes is it takes a while for it to happen. And you'll be dead and gone, but lie, you'll leave a string of lies messed up because you haven't been healed. Right? You're still walking around trying to help people wound it yourself. You hear people talk about how Jesus was the wounded healer. He had to be wounded because the Bible says so. Right? The Bible says so, right? But Jesus still went through a process of healing. Because when he came up, he didn't say, look at my wounds. He said, look at my scars. 
No wound can stay a wound once it's been exposed to blood. We need the cleansing power of the blood on our lives. We can go through all of the theological discussions, all of the, 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 the biblical wisdom, right? We can study hermeneutics, eschatology, soteriology, angelology, all of that stuff. But if we don't get back to the blood of Jesus, if we don't get back to the foot of the cross, if we don't get back to him, him being crucified for us, all of that means nothing. You could be a Calvinist, whatever you want. You could be a cessationist. You could be Armenian. Don't make a difference. But if you don't get back to the blood of Jesus, and that's when the scars come. <laughs> when you get back to the blood, when we take our hurts, when we're willing to admit and confess our hurts to him, when we're willing to admit and confess our sins to him, when we're willing to admit and confess our ailments, our shortcomings, our idiosyncratic ways, the, our, our, our wounds from what people have done to us, what, what he did to us, what she did to us, what they did to us, what we do to us, when we can admit that to Christ and be totally transparent and vulnerable, you'll begin to see every wound in your life being covered with blood, every issue in your life being covered with blood, everything that you've gone through being covered with blood, and never after a while, you'll start to see that scabbing process. It may itch a little while. It may still irritate you for a while, but healing is happening. He's delivering you from the problem, but now he's healing the problem in you. You'll start to see the scab start to peel off. You'll see it start to turn colors. All in your life, things are changing. Then you, your speech will start to change. Where you walk and go will start to change. That's when you know scars are coming, and then the authority and the anointing is soon to follow. A true anointing won't be denied. A person with scars is much more effective than someone with scratches. That's the problem. We got a lot of people running, running, running around in the church world, all they got is scratches. Or they got a few scrapes. Yeah, they fell and got a little dust on their leg. Yeah, they may have brushed up against something scratched. But you need to hear from someone who's going through the muck and mire. You need to hear from someone who's been through the fire. As a matter of fact, the world needs to know that you went through, you went through hell but came out on fire. I got any people like that in here. All the hell you seen when you came out, you came out on fire. That's what we need. That's what we need to engage in. Because that anointing won't be denied. Because you can say what you want about me, but I'm anointed. I've been delivered. I've been healed. I've been set free. You can tell them like that blind man when they was talking about you, he healed you, but Jesus, that's the same Jesus that did this and called Jesus all kinds of names. He says, say what you want about him. You can call him what you want. He may be everything you said, but all I know is that yesterday I was blind, but today I can see. Let them talk about you all they want to. Let them scandalize your name, but they can't deny the anointing on your life because God has brought you out of too much. 
you prayed and fasted for too long. You sat up and cried too long. You've been on your knees praying for too long. You've had to cry too, you had to cry too many tears too long. You had to walk around with no food for too long. You had to walk around and ask God for more when you were getting less for too long. You had to ask God to make a way when everything was closing around you for too long for you not to say that my God is greater. My God is stronger. My God is better than any other. And your scars that speak for you. I'm going to close with this. I'm finished. Your scars will tell the story for you even when you can't articulate it. My sister's back there. Terry, help me out with this story just in case if I get it wrong. Keisha, you were there. In 2009, in 2009, right around Christmas time, my mother suffered two heart attacks, right? Didn't floor her, didn't have any physical damage that we could see, visible damage that we could see. But she had a heart attack one day. You know, I think she went to the ER that Saturday. But then everything was fine. I guess they sent her home and she went to church Sunday. Get home from church and she's telling my father, I don't feel right. Go back to the ER, come to find out, second heart attack. But again, didn't have to call the ambulance, didn't, nothing, nothing visibly wrong, but something's obviously going on. So they go and she ultimately has to have stents put in. You know, because they said there's some blockage, whatever, you know. Everything seemed kind of status quo. But my mother told me that for what they, what they did, it didn't, when, she told me that when she spoke to one of the deacons in the church, that some weeks have gone by, and she was talking to one of the deacons in the church, I guess he called to check on her to see how she's doing, and she's telling them what the doctors did. And when she began, whew, when she began to explain her scar and where it was and describe what they did, but it was something about her explaining the scar that he began to cry. And he's like, you don't know what you just survived. He said those scars meant that not only were your arteries clogged, but that you really should have died. He said those scars only are given to people who have been on the verge of death because of a heart attack. And come to find out, one, whoo, one of her arteries was 90% clogged, and the other one, I think, was over 90%. And the doctors kept telling her that she's fine, but it was because of the story about her scars when someone else who had went through heard it. He knew the severity, but he also knew God's delivering power over everything that she went through. So what I'm saying to you is, don't you dare hide your scars. Don't you dare sit back on what God has done for you. Don't you dare sit back and be afraid and ashamed of what you've gone through. Show your scars. Show where he, God, what God has done. Tell of his goodness. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord.
So I want the redeemed to start talking about our Savior. I want the redeemed to start talking about his goodness. I want the redeemed to tell what he's done for you. It doesn't matter how big or small. It's all that matter Jesus did it for you. And that if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. Give God a praise.